Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Wild Nights Young Company podcast. This is Helen here, Education Officer for Med Theatre, speaking to you on behalf of the young people. Due to the current pandemic, we aren't able to meet as a group. So this podcast episode, which has been recorded remotely from our homes, might seem a little different to the past ones, but we hope you enjoy it. One of our youth reps, Gwen, wanted to share with you some of the stories we learnt on a trip to Castle Drogo. It's nearby and is really rich in World War II history. Um, we met up there with some research volunteers that work there. I really enjoyed the fact that it was more of a conversation over tea and coffee rather than just presentations. They had some really fantastic stories and characters which will be most helpful as we begin to tease plays out of all our research. During World War II, the castle was a nursery for refugees under the age of five, which would usually at this age have been accompanied by an adult but these were already orphans. I guess it must have been a really idyllic life. I mean, they were literally living in a castle, weren't they? And they came from the squalor of these various orphanages around London. But I think lots of them were still really homesick, of course. There's so much information, but I'm just going to read you from the notes I took some of the highlights for me. So, the castle was run by women during the war. There was Mary Drew and Mrs. Violet Brotherston. Ms, should I say, because she was a widow. And she was the sort of teacher there. And apparently they were really great friends. And they must have really enjoyed the work, because afterwards they opened a school after the war. There was... One male, the gardener, who was around, apparently. He must have been a very jolly chap. He always dressed up as Father Christmas every year. Another interesting thing that came up was um, that there was this one child who allegedly arrives at the castle just a week old. It's the illegitimate child of a land girl. And apparently Mary took care of him, like, personally had him by her bed all the time and because he was really quite ill, I think. Next up, we have a poem, written and read by Beth. The land girl. I like the men's jobs. The men slaughter pigs. The men tend the land. The men don't wear wigs or have neat, pretty hands. But not anymore. The men are in battle. The men brave the storm. The men don't watch cattle or grow the gold corn. The women are working. Harvesting crops and working the farm. The women, they hop out to the barn. Things are changing, but life goes on. If we get miserable, we just sing a song. Here's an interview with Izzy and her family members, speaking about the differences between World War II and the current pandemic.
What would you say are some of the main similarities or differences between this experience during the coronavirus or what people might have experienced during the war? So I would say some of the main similarities between these two experiences is that there's definitely a sense of fear within the community. The fear of contracting coronavirus may be less of a dominant fear than the war would have been in that time because although you are more exposed to it on the news you don't necessarily feel a threat when you're in your own home it's also a big change in the working environment of the whole country with nowadays loads of people are now working from home during this pandemic and lots of people have had to lose their jobs whilst in the war there was a massive shift in the jobs of the country while people were diverting all their resources to helping the war effort which is quite similar to now lots of companies are diverting their resources to help make medical equipment how are you trying to keep yourself well and happy at this time and how do you think society as a whole have changed to keep themselves mentally well so for myself which i think is the same for a lot of people um we know this is a long-term situation um but i don't think that far ahead because it, you could easily feel that you weren't going to cope with it if you looked at how long it was going to carry on for so I, I'm breaking the time into small mi milestones and um, setting myself small targets and achievements during those milestones so generally not looking further ahead than a week. I think we're all feeling very grateful that we live on Dartmoor and we've got a big wide open space out there that we can go and get some exercise in without meeting other people um, or certainly not very many people, so you're able to keep um, your social distancing going. Society and how they're dealing with it, I think there's yeah different extremes, really. I think some people have been in denial that there actually is anything that they need to do and want to carry on their life as normal. And then to the other extreme, you'll have the people maybe that have lost their jobs and have put themselves straight out there to volunteer and help with the effort. That's probably because they're very giving in their nature, but also they don't want to just sit at home because they know they'll get bored, they might start feeling down, so they want to do something positive. And what would you say are some positives and negatives that will come out of this experience whenever it finishes or draws to a natural end? I think unfortunately there will be a lot of negatives. Obviously there will be a lot of people who will be negatively impacted. So there will be people who will lose family members. There will be people that um, lose their jobs. Um, there will be people that will go bankrupt. So I think there'll be a significant impact on society. But I think there'll be also be a lot of positives. I think the fact that 
um, people are restricted with what they can do will mean that they will look back and look inwardly on themselves and look for um, opportunities to do things differently, to think about life and society differently, so that they look at themselves as part of communities and look more at the way their communities work. Such as like where they live um, or their other so, environment? Yeah, where they live and the people who live in their communities and the businesses that run in their communities. Thank you very much. Here's Gwen again, this time talking to us about the sounds that you can hear outdoors while many of us are stuck indoors. All of the bird song you've heard in this episode was recorded by Gwen in her back garden. Cities may have fallen silent with people cooped up in self-isolation, but the birds of course haven't. Nature continues to do what it does, regardless of the corona pandemic that humans are facing at the moment. Thinking back to World War II, the same irony must have faced people then, nature unheeding of the war that touched everyone's lives. It's humbling. We are, in a sense, alone. Nature doesn't care about us and our silly affairs. But at the same time, it provides us with everything we have. Wants no thanks, because that's just what it is and does. But it is little appreciated for all that. I think perhaps if more people sat and listened to the dawn chorus every once in a while, it would be. Thank you for listening to this Wild Nights podcast episode. So what's next? Well, we're continuing with our research and Wild Nights Young Company are continuing to meet online where they are forming a scenario which will eventually become our young people's play. And if any of our listeners have any personal or family memories of World War II in rural Devon, we would love to hear from you. You can email education at medtheatre.co.uk to share your stories and find out more about the project. Med Theatre's Dartmoor Devon and World War II project is funded by National Lottery Heritage Fund, with thanks going out to all National Lottery players.